0: Inspiration. Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire Podcast.
1: Zig wants you to be your
0: best. Welcome to Zig Ziggler's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. Today Zig is going to talk to us about how to raise children to be positive adults. Let's listen to Zig together and I'll be back in a few minutes.
1: I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely.
0: Now, one of the things you can do is this. Restrict the amount of junk food that the child eats. A lot of parents load the pantry and the refrigerator with a lot of soft drinks. I've seen infants gurgling soft drinks just loaded with sugar, but empty of calories. Ideally, the child should never be given those things. That might sound like an unrealistic statement, but you can control it, bring it way down. The average American adolescent, ready for this, consumes 836 Cans of soda pop each year. Reports from the American Psychological Association show that cutting down on sugar intake sometimes results in as much as an 80% drop in misbehavior amongst severe delinquents in this country. It makes a difference. One of our granddaughters, when she was about four years old, Her mother and her grandmother and I noticed that she was irritable, she was grouchy, she was whiny, she was always complaining, she was sleepy and so forth. She no longer was affectionate. She and her mother lived with us the first year of her life. And then my wife noticed that uh, she was eating an awful lot of candy and snacks and sugars and drinking a lot of pop and was staying up too late at night. So we all three got together for a council, as it were, and we made some decisions. First of all, her mother was going to put her to bed at least one hour earlier. Second, we would greatly reduce the uh, amount of sugars that she is going to be eating. And third, we would change her name. We started calling her Sunshine. Now, I don't know whether it was one of the things, two of the things, or three of the things. I suspect that it was a combination of all three. But I can tell you that within a month, there was a total turnaround in the attitude and the conduct of our little granddaughter. I'll tell you, when you start reducing the sugar intake, taking care of the body physically, there is a vast difference. One thing when you talk about eating Mealtime should be one of the most pleasant experiences of all. Many people tragically eat their meals in front of a television set or with a television set going on. Other people read the newspaper or a book or they are up and down during the course of the meal. If there's any time which ought to be sacred with a family, it's at least one meal a day. And that meal obviously should be breakfast and dinner. Now, the reason I say breakfast and dinner is sometimes, some families can do them both. Surely everybody, by getting up a few minutes early and organizing for the evening, could have that one meal together. And it's slowly eating, it's casual eating, you talk about pleasant subjects, and it is absolutely amazing. There is something about breaking bread together casually and lovingly that makes a vast difference in a person's life. You can eat an absolutely delicious meal with the television set going or an unrelated conversation going on between two members at the table and be unaware of just how good the meal is. You can take this opportunity to teach your child table manners. We need to teach our kids manners if we're going to raise positive kids in a negative world. Obviously, a well-balanced meal is important. The diet of the child is extremely important. A lot of times parents say, well, I can't get my child to eat this. I can't get my child to eat that. They'll only eat this and that. It generally boils down to junk. Well, what you do is you just don't let them eat the junk. And some parents say, well, my child won't eat anything. Mom, they're not going to starve to death. By supper time, or as you prefer, dinner time, they will decide it might not be that bad to give it a shot. And by the next day, I can guarantee you, they will be eating whatever it is you prepare for them. Might not like it. Now, what's the most important meal? Well, study after study reveals that children who start the day with a good breakfast do better in school. Additionally, children who skip breakfast often compensate later in the day by eating salty snacks, which can lead to weight gain and hypertension. One more time, I can't say it strong enough. Get up a few minutes earlier, have a leisurely breakfast, eat something nutritious, some fruit, some whole grain cereal, what's the cholesterol? You know, if you eat too much of that, you're headed for trouble along those lines. And certainly these fattening, non-nutritious snacks that a lot of families serve for breakfast are not in order. The basic rule is you should eat breakfast as if you really had the best job in the world. Eat lunch as if you're anticipating uh, depression and eat dinner like you just lost your job organize your meals like that, and uh, you'll be able to do a whole lot more as far as your own weight is concerned. Now let's take a fast look at the spiritual side of life. Dr. James Dobson says that your child will buy in spiritually at age five, and what your kids need above all in a world that is spiritually out of balance is the example of a clear, consistent, disciplined approach to faith in God. He said, it is the inner spiritual qualities of a man, the spiritual substance that made him and society great. Our nation was built on and it will stand on its spiritual foundation. Dr. Tony Campola, whom I quoted earlier, a sociology professor of Eastern College in Pennsylvania, says this, and I think this is one of the most profound statements I've ever heard. And I'm going to expound on it for a moment or two with you because I think it's so important. Dr. Compola says that what you commit yourself to become determines what you are. Now let me repeat that. What you commit yourself to become determines what you are. What he is saying is that as important as your past is, as it relates to your present, your past is not as important to your present As your future is to your present, what you commit yourself to become determines what you are. Now, I emphasize that as strongly as I do because, you see, your child might be 5 years old or 10 years old or 15 years old or whatever. But Dr. Campola says the reason that the youth of today have such an identity crisis is because they don't have a commitment. It takes commitment, ladies and gentlemen, to do just about anything really important in life. Now, what all of this really boils down to is something that I think is very, very important. And that is that you as parents, who maybe have not been quite as successful as you would like to have been, that you not now go off on a guilt trip. I believe that loving parents do the best they can under the circumstances in which they find themselves and with the knowledge which they have. And if everything has not worked out exactly right, don't beat yourself to death about it. Simply recommit and say, I did the best I could under the circumstances. I'm going to make a new commitment and do even better, hopefully in the future. But I've seen enthusiastic, hard-working parents who apparently had it all. But inside, they were still cornered, going virtually nowhere. They were equipped for blast off to success as an astronaut in a space shuttle, except for the fact that they still liked the fuel of faith that would deliver the power to their ideas, dreams, and aspiration. We've recently been hearing a lot about the difficulties that some of the churches have been facing. We know what they are without giving you a lot of details, but it has to do with sexual abuse of children. Certainly one of the most horrible, despicable things that can happen to anybody, anywhere. But in a church, it's incredible. Yes, I know there have been some experiences in churches. One of my own daughters In a Sunday school class, the teacher was very cruel, very harsh, very brutal in the language that she was using, Uh, had no compassion, really disturbed my daughter a great deal. And we had to understand something that's very important. You will be disappointed in people, but there will never be any disappointment in Jesus Christ. One of the people who claimed to know him actually did not know him, and as a result, the teaching was grossly in error. Those things happen. That's another reason why parents need to have so much communication with their children. When we went to another church, another preacher, another teacher, she absolutely fell in love with what it was all about. So, in other words, what I'm saying is, If you went to a grocery store and bought some beans that weren't good, you would continue to go to a grocery store somewhere. You would not quit eating, I'll absolutely guarantee you. Now, spiritually, we need to have spiritual food, and we need it every day. We need it in every way possible. So don't let one negative experience be the determining factor for your eternity and for the rest of your life here on earth. Go to another one. Talk to the priest or the pastor or the preacher. Talk to them. Find out what they really believe. If there is a problem, discuss the problem. People run churches. People preach in churches. People teach in churches. And people do make mistakes. One of the great things about faith is God does forgive us. We seek the forgiveness, and He's delighted to give it to us. Don't let one bad experience deny you the privilege of having thousands of wonderful experiences. Go back to church. For your kids, your faith will be a living lesson. They will learn from mom and dad. Your example will be one of the most influential factors, and your parental coaching through life will be the next most influential factor. Tomorrow may bring difficulty, trial, and distress. But I know the God of heaven and earth will already be there, and a solution will be available if I have the faith to find it. Faith is the first step and is a unifying principle which gives us a sense of confidence. Faith adds to life a sense of definition and purpose, it provides a belief in that which is possible. It is hope with believability. Faith is your response to God's ability. Now, hope is the fruit of faith. Hope with believability is one of the greatest gifts you can give your child. And because it is one of the great gifts we can give our child, I close with a story. Several years ago, I met a man who impressed me tremendously. His name was General Robinson Reisner. General Reisner came through our Born to Win seminar in Dallas, Texas. General Reisner was a prisoner of war during Vietnam for seven years. For 55 months of those seven years, he was in isolation. For 10 months of that, he was in total and complete darkness. They boarded up his windows, they shut out all of the light coming in this cell. General Reisner told the class, and later he and I talked about it in some length, of that there were many days during those months of absolute darkness that he thought he was absolutely going to lose his mind. On occasion, he said, I grew so desperate that I would take my underwear and I would stuff them in my mouth and I would scream at the top of my voice. But because I had my mouth stuffed, the sound was muffled. He said, I wasn't about to give my captors the satisfaction of knowing they were getting to me. He said, every day I jogged in place hour after hour after hour. But he said, even with all of that, the despair that comes in after 55 months of no contact with another human human being except by the secret codes they had. And 10 months of total darkness, he said, despair on occasion did set in. And he said, one day I was down on the floor in my little eight by eight cell and I was crawling around, putting my eyes up next to the block walls to see if maybe, if maybe I could not see just a little bit of light coming through. And sure enough, as I put my eye at this one particular point, there was a very slight sliver of light. And he said, I concentrated and focused, and it was so slender that all I could see through the opening was a single blade of grass. And he said, you know, Zig, there I do not have the vocabulary. I do not have the words to tell you of the tremendous gratitude and joy and excitement and exhilaration I felt when I saw a single living blade of grass. Now, folks, I don't know how the story hits you, but when General Reisner told me that story that day, I promised myself that I would be extraordinarily careful about what I complained about in the future. If you have a child whom God has trusted to you. If you live in America, if you have even reasonably good health, when you think of all of the things that you have, and if you're one of the people who are listening to this recording, you obviously are a person who is well above average in many respects. I'm going to say without any hesitation, you have every reason to be optimistic. You have every reason to be grateful you have every reason to be hopeful. The Apostle Paul said it so well in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians when he said of these things, faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest is love. And when you put faith, hope, and love together, I'm totally convinced that you can raise positive kids. As always, lots of good information that Zig gave us as we think about what we can do to help our kids excel in their future. This week, give lots of thought to how you can raise positive kids in a negative world. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsey encouraging you to live your life to the fullest.
1: Ziggler. 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 Inspiring true performance.